you ask, what is our aim? I can answer in one word, victory. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. But without victory there is no survival. Now, we are the masters of our faith. My name is Rick Napier, the CEO at Real People USA LLC. Coming to you live from Northern California, somewhere between Sacramento and San Francisco. Our website is rpusa.org. Our telephone number is 726-999-0999. Today, we have the honor of speaking with Heather Vernillo, and she's running for Pinellas County Commission District 4, which includes Palm Harbor, Tarpon Springs, Safety Harbor, Dunedin, Osmar, and I hope I didn't miss a city. <laughs> so, Heather, how are you doing? I am doing good. Happy Saturday to you. Yeah, thank you very much. And I want to thank you for uh, standing up and running for the county commissioner seat, District 4, against the incumbent, Dave Eggers, who's been there for eight years, a career politician, um, someone who's worked in public service there in Pinellas County. How far did he start? I mean, how long has he been in public office? 20 years? 30 years? I don't think it's been that long, but he served on some local, uh, like Dunedin City Council and things before running for county commission. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so So today... He he definitely has experience. He's, He's been around for a while. Yeah, that experience is a good experience. And this is just my words, until the public is not first. When the public becomes third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, the experience, in my opinion, and again, this is my, these are my words, is no longer applicable. If the experience is hurting the people, then that's, to me, that's not uh, the experience that we want. We want a better experience. So thankfully you have um, decided to run for office. So if you can, please tell our listening audience, and this is a live broadcast for people to call in that we have invited, and it may be one person, it may be zero people, but this is an opportunity for you to um, let your hair down like you did on the Digital Soldier Network. That was a great broadcast. I've listened to about an hour and 10 minutes of it. So I want to thank you for expressing yourself and really giving uh, the people who are on that podcast episode uh, or live podcast episode, including myself, a detailed description of the challenges that exist in Pinellas County and especially in District 4 where where you're running to represent. So please uh, just give our listening audience a breakdown of the reasons why you are running for that Pinellas County Commission. I moved here from New Jersey and I lived in, I grew up in a very urban area and then I lived in like a mildly suburban area in Jersey with when my kids were born and then we moved here and I wanted to find that like small town charm where I could raise my kids and they could ride their bikes and you know be close to good schools and you know I did my research before moving here and I chose you know my area of Palm Harbor to be my home 
because I thought it had that small town, you know, charm where I could park and go to the different, I call them bodegas just because of where I grew up, but all the little shops and like, it's just very small town feel. And I watched over the last 10 years, just that charm just kind of be taken slowly away with housing development after housing development and no change to infrastructure. So you have the same roads that are, you know, horse and buggy type roads trying to support, you know, 2,000 more cars on them. And I watched the, I never got involved in the local politics until uh, 2020. And then I realized how important they were. And they raised our taxes during, you know, an economically unsure time. And I just thought that was, that was really just a bad move. You know, people are out of work and like, what was your reasoning for raising our taxes? I mean, they, they tried to play the good guy and say, oh, well, we, you know, we, we dropped the millage back down, but that just didn't sit well with me. And the way the commissioners, not Dave particularly, but there was other commissioners, the way they spoke to business owners that were pleading to allow their business to be reopened, you know, fully operational, like pleading. And the commissioners are just like, too bad, so sad, not our problem. And it's like, but it is your problem because our governor gave us the green light to go back to life. And you chose to use local, you know, constitutional kind of rights to over, like supersede our governor. You know, I mean, for what? So mm-hmm. I was like, you know, this is my chance. Um, you know, I never wanted to get into politics when my children were younger because I didn't want to ever be away from them, um, like the demand for office. But they're going to high school and the seat is up this year for 2022. So I'm, I think like, this is my time, Heather, this is your time. You need, you need to run and you need to try to be that positive change, change for the North County. And you need to be the thorn in the side to the Democrat commissioners who only view Pinellas as either a way to line their pockets or they just want to change the whole culture so that we become an inner city. Ooh. And that's where I feel Pinellas is headed if we don't make changes. Exactly. And when you say inner city, I mean, just across the bridge, uh, or, you know, or actually you can drive there from North Pinellas right into Hillsborough County, and you can continue heading east uh, until you get to downtown Tampa and, and neighborhoods uh, throughout uh, from, I guess, from, gosh, uh, Fowler Avenue uh, east all the way to downtown Tampa. There is plenty of urban life in that area. And the reason why I know, because I grew up near the University of South Florida and I went to school, went to a Catholic school on Florida Avenue in Limebaugh. And uh, I can just I can just tell your our listeners that if for your area and I know your area uh, pretty well and I haven't seen it in about probably I want to say 15 years because I mainly have been going to Tampa. But I recall driving about maybe 25 years ago, I was going on a military assignment, leaving Tampa, going back to uh, California. And I said, oh, here's a short route. Let's drive down alternate 19. Okay, I got a ticket in your hometown, uh, Heather. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I got a ticket. But I said, oh, this is gorgeous. 
I mean, it's it's you know you can see you can kind of you know feel the, the 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 Gulf Coast not too far away. I mean, it was just quaint, and I said, "Oh, this is beautiful." So I can totally understand what you're saying coming from New Jersey, brick city and, and concrete jungle, to find a a beautiful spot like North Pinellas County, and then to see the the infrastructure. Uh, change from being this this quaint suburban community to being almost like what you what you ran from, what you left. So I totally understand. So um, here's something else I want to go ahead. I'm say the statistics are showing that by the year 2040, Pinellas County is projected to have um, at least another like 63,000 people, and there's organizations that are affiliated with the Board of County Commissioners but aren't the county commissioners who have this this vision of changing the landscape of development in Pinellas to accommodate more and more people instead of just saying, you know what, we need to keep our pristine beaches and we need to keep our our pine habitat that attracts, you know, our ospreys and we need to keep this habitat that keeps our keystone species but no they just want to pave over all of it and put in urban you know dwelling like they like that's i mean our own one of the commissioners pretty much hinted at it at the last meeting that she sees us having high density redevelopment and basically becoming the new miami Exactly. And I don't know now, about you guys. I mean, if you want to live in that environment, then that's great. But go move there. Like, don't change. Don't come here and then want to change everything because you want, you know, whatever it is that you want that we don't have here. Oh, yeah. There are plenty of places in Florida. If people want the uh, the big city life, you got the, like you said, the Miami, uh, Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach counties. You got... Um, you know, other like Orlando, you have other places on the northeast uh, side of uh, Florida going up the, towards St. Augustine and, and Jacksonville. So there are plenty of places. And plus, uh, that area only has a limited amount of space, especially there in Pinellas County with the ocean, with the, the Gulf of Mexico to the west. And you have uh, a, you know strips of land and you have Lake Tarpon, which is a huge lake. And then you have the... Um, the Tampa Bay, which is south and east of, of Pinellas County. So to squeeze in, you know, another 65, 70,000 people just won't work. But I want to jump into something just to let listeners know that what you are talking about today, Heather, is the same uh, scheme that was put on Californians 10, 20 years ago. So when they say they want to transform you know, Pinellas County to a high density, you know, build up in, instead of out because there's no way to, to build out anymore. That's a scheme that we have seen here in California. And it seems like um, the Democrats, when they want to build up, what they see is a way to uh, control and communicate with the population. In other words, it's much easier to uh, persuade people to accept, you know, Democrat type thinking, liberal type thinking, when people live in these high density populations, it's easier to spread propaganda when you have, you know, eight story, 12 story condos 
and you know you got maybe you know four or five hundred people living in each eight to twelve story condo. It's much easier to implement your your your, your ideas and your plans. And so I just want to let Pinellas County voters know that when something sounds good and it's coming from uh, Pinellas County commissioners, and I, I just also want to let you know when people hear the word county commissioner. That's also another word for county supervisor. Other states call uh, Heather the position that you're running for county supervisor. So I just want to let people know what those, how those words um, kind of mean the same thing. County commissioner, county supervisor. So Heather, you're running for, for a very important uh, position there in Pinellas County. Now I want to uh, ask you a question. Um, as the mouthpiece for Pinellas County running for this position, uh, what do you see that you, you would like to stop immediately? Definitely the rapid expansion. We don't have the infrastructure to support it. Um, I definitely see that as a huge thing. We also, another thing that I looking into is our failing EMS system in this country or not, in, I mean, in our county uh, 2020, 2021 kind of proved that it was definitely a system that was not solid and now we we saw it taxed, <laughs> not literally taxed, like it taxed where the staff was like yeah, this isn't this isn't going to work, this is not sustainable and yet we're we're just funneling more money into this third party company and for what they're not yield they're not you put a thing out to bid or you get a third party contract and they're not yielding the results that the county needs like why are we keeping them around mm -hmm. i would mm -hmm. love to see um a pinellas county rescue set up with rigs in various locations housed in our uh, fire districts around the county and for those EMTs to be members of the county got like and county government employees and entitled to Florida retirement system instead of making you know $12 an hour as a just a regular W2 employee and getting what like a crappy 401k for like busting your butt especially during covid there was times where we had 911 calls like an hour in queue because there were no rigs on the ground and our fire departments were overwhelmed with taking up the slack. Like that should not happen again. Mm -hmm. So to, to ask this question, when you say rig, what is a rig? Like the ambulance, just okay. what I call it. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, when you mentioned... Uh, these 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 third party people. Again, I have to I have to you know tell your listeners about the California experience. Um, a lot of times when these contracts are given to these third parties, there's not uh, much investigation that you would need to to do to find out that somebody who gave that contract to this third party they know someone, and that's the best way to put it. That's the probably the the most politically correct way of saying it. And uh, so someone is someone has this contract. Uh, it's not working. Uh, the people are still at risk. The people are not getting for what they paid, what their taxes are, are, are paying for. Yet the company is still getting paid. And 
We have seen that scenario so often uh, here. In fact, uh, we had a collapse of the San Francisco-Oakland uh, Bay Bridge during the 1989 earthquake. And what... During the World Series. I remember that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I was coming back from Hayward, California. I was, I was completing my National Guard duty that Sunday. And I was riding a motorcycle. I, I, I ride a motorcycle sometimes. So I was riding a motorcycle Sunday. That Monday on that same uh, a double-decker bridge that I crossed on Sunday collapsed on Monday. And in fact, it collapsed 24 hours after I was on that bridge at the same time, but like 5 p.m. during the World Series, San Francisco, Oakland. But the, the point, the reason why I brought that up is because uh, California government at that time said, oh, we have companies that can do it, but we have another company that we want to use. To make a long story short, this company that they picked, they used Chinese-made steel. And that steel had so many defects in it that it it, um, it caused the bridge to be delayed uh, five years to be completed because they found defects in the concrete and in some of the steel. The steel didn't have the, the tensile strength that uh, was supposed to meet the state standards. So... Yeah, it's 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 quite interesting about that. But what I want to say right now, um, listeners, if you're listening to this event live or if you're listening to the recorded version, the best ways to help Heather, I have to delete that part. The best ways to help Heather are you want to be a mouthpiece by repeating what you hear, you know, on this on this show, the the live version or the recorded version, because the issues that are important to Heather are probably important to you. So we need you to do several things once you hear this episode. We need you to subscribe to Heather's website at Vernillo or Pinellas.com. And that's B-E-R-N-I-L-L-O for Pinellas.com to fight a potential election fraud. We want to collect as many names, email addresses, zip codes, and phone numbers as we can to build a database. And we will talk more about that on uh, subsequent episodes. The next thing or the next way you can help Heather is by donating $5 or any amount you can. Um, Heather will use the funds to buy campaign materials like signs, uh, ads, and also pay for traditional campaign expenses. And I know people sometimes say, well, what is the candidate going to use the money for? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, on a, one of our other shows, we will show you expenses. We'll show you some, uh, you know, campaign donations from from some of the opponents, and we will show you where some of the money is going, or where the money came from, and where the money is going. Now, the reason why we say that is because a lot of people think, well, if I donate money, where is the money going? Well, that, that's a big story, uh, a story that we can talk about on another episode. But we want to let listeners know now that Heather will use the money to buy campaign materials, signs, ads, and also pay for traditional uh, expenses. Now, Heather, one of the, the I know talking to me, talking to you offline, one of the things that really gets you is elected officials serving more than two terms. Please talk about that if you can. 
our state legislator has term limits, but yet we don't have them for Pinellas County for local. Um, there's a couple counties that do not have term limits, um, and if there is other counties that are trying to overturn their term limits. So it's always, always a fun day in Florida. But for Pinellas County, um, currently there's no term limit. You could essentially sit on Pinellas County Commission if you keep getting reelected every four years. You you could stay on for eternity and just keep collecting you know that paycheck and the benefits that go along with it for being a county employee. And there's really nobody to stop you per se because. People are intimidated against running up against an incumbent, and there are also a lot of the right. Like, I mean, even myself before 2020, I never paid attention to local elections. Mm-hmm. So people just look at the name on the ballot, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, I recognize that name," and they just fill it out. Mm-hmm. And then the person gets reelected and reelected and reelected, and then we don't know what they stand for. We don't know if they're actually got our our interests, you know, at heart. Like, are they making decisions based on, will it get them reelected? Or are they making decisions based on, hey, you know what? This is where I live, and I don't want to see the change that we're making. I don't like the way the things are going. Like, maybe I should start saying no to these projects. Exactly. Now, I know elected officials... You've got eight years. You can't do your job in eight years, then, you know, I think it's time to, you know, at that point, it's time to move on. Let some new fresh perspective come in because you get complacent after eight any even working in the hospital for eight years you become a little bit monotonous and and you don't you're not as fresh faced and and bushy tailed you know as you were when you first started (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) that's true now i know you're running against dave eggers and he seems like a, a great guy so we have nothing negative to say about him um, but in general, and I have some examples I want to just run through, I want to I talk about. Um, anytime someone spends, especially elected officials, making $104,000 annually, uh, plus benefits, plus uh, the pension that they see uh, down the road, it, it always seems, and, and I'm just talking about different you know, people that have been in office for 20, 30, 40 years, like, like Nancy Pelosi, um, Chuck mm-hmm. Schumer, uh, even on our side, you know, Ted Cruz, people who have been in office for so long, uh, it seems like people become less concerned about people after several terms. And it and it's and it's uh, it's not like um, uh, like they're doing something wrong. I think it's more like human nature, Heather. It's like after two terms, yeah. the motivation it becomes I want to retire. Oh my gosh. If I just do four years here and eight years here and 12 years here, I can retire and get a great pension. And I like this. I like to use the example of someone who has been on a, on a job, not an, not an elected official, but someone who's been in their job like 20, 25 years and retirement is it's like a year or two away. And I, I'm just saying it's human nature, Heather. It's, it's like if you've been on the job for 25 years and, and you're retiring next year, human nature says that you're not that concerned as you were like in year one. You know, there's yeah. some things that you'll let slide, <laughs> but go ahead and, and talk about that for a little bit. 
Um, my children are going to graduate high school in four years, and I would love for this to be a place that they see themselves staying in. And if we continue to you know, make this some kind of mega metropolis, people who want to raise families in a small town, are, they're going to pack up and leave. And then are they going to be replaced by people who have you know comparable salaries or will it end up going urban? And I mean, not that I, I want to see, and I thought I'm using urban as a like a negative connotation, but we've we've seen cities where this has happened before, where it was a very suburban area, and then the people that live there just migrate it out for whatever reason, usually due to political policies, and then the towns just kind of, I don't know, just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and that's worried that if we keep people in our positions for 23 plus years, that we're not going to have newer people coming in with with fresher ideas because we are young not you know we're younger we have children in the school system like we have different we're a different generation and maybe you want to hear our point of view because we're the ones who are 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 going to be staying here for another 40 years Mm -hmm. yeah and plus uh florida right now is going through a massive uh expansion with the with many people moving there uh, from different states, I know from just from California, I know 15 people who have moved to some parts of Florida, Northern Florida, Central Florida, the East Coast of Florida, uh, Southern Southern Florida, Sarasota, Naples. So that is something that uh, uh, the County Commission uh, definitely needs to needs to consider, and uh, to to take care of the local people is is the key. I mean, look at, we have a great leadership. I mean, look at our governor. He's, he's, you know, he's a goat, you know, he's, he's not, he tells the federal government, like, um, sorry, there's a thing called the 10th amendment and you are not going to come in and tell my residents what they can do. Mm -hmm. So people, it's refreshing. So I think that is what is causing a large amount of the influx. Um, you know, we we do have a great job market that is just like, you know, getting ready to burst. And it's like, you know, I just feel like it's a real, that's why I moved here. It's a great state. You know, there's no snow. I mean, snow and beach, <laughs> no snow on the beaches. I mean, no income tax because of our tourism. You know, that's, I would hate to see income tax come back to the state because you can't have tourists when you just have a mega metropolis and there's we're going to have like hotels like on the top floor of your eight story condo that you put in on the Dunedin waterfront when then there's no shoreline left. Oh, that's bad. I, I, I can I can see that image. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, just step out I of your hotel room and you're, you step into the water. <laughs> I I just don't. I mean, I love the fact that you know, we don't have income tax, but we still need to protect the you know integrity of our state being so lush and full of you know different types of habitat instead of just making it just an asphalt jungle everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like everywhere I look is another housing development going up, and they're just paving over and clear cutting, and these trees that have been homes to so many species. You know, 40, 50, 60 year old oak trees just like, I don't even know how they get all the permits to destroy everything. 
Yeah, that's part because of the, the job of the, tree of the down Pinellas County yard, Commission. It's like, you know, I, I have a pine tree that needs to be cut down, and the county, like, for the longest time was like, no, you can't cut your tree down because it's, you know, a protected tree or whatever. And I'm like, but you just allowed this keystone, uh, whatever, up the street here, this property that got built, Eagle Crest or something, you let them knock down a ton of oak trees. I didn't, and I don't see them replacing them with anything mm. because it's going to be home after home after home after home. There's going to be no green space in between these homes. You're going to be able to look out your kitchen window right into your neighbor's house. Oh, wow. That does sound like New Jersey right there, Heather. Yeah, and these houses are starting at 800000 <laughs> Crazy. Whoa, those are California prices. Just to let people know, like I said, the 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 um, the wave is coming, and you know, part of me when I look at what's going on there in Pinellas County, I see you know people who have been in office for a long time. They start to feel like they own the community. Uh, people who have been in office two terms, three terms, like you have a commissioner that's been in the position for twenty two or 23 years and it's up for re-election and the tendency for these elected officials is that I own this Pinellas County this is mine and 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 also it's human nature for them to see hundreds of millions of dollars uh, pass uh, to people that they contract with and it's also human nature and the temptation is wow I just sent you know a billion dollars we just passed a billion dollars and paid uh, these people. And uh, how can I get some of that money? I know it sounds kind of uh, far-fetched to some, but it is common knowledge that many politicians get kickbacks. And I'm not saying that about your opponent, but it's just human nature for people to say, well, you know, if you if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And... Um, so go ahead and comment on, on that one if you like. Well, that's one of the things I was actually discussing at a local uh, Republican meeting was at the end of the day, I am a taxpayer and a, a mother of two children in the public school system and, and really nothing, a small business owner and really nothing more. I don't have a spouse who also sits on a city council, um, which, you know, that you know, trying to, you know, the whole scratch my back, I scratch yours kind of thing. And, you know, when it comes down to allotting CRA money and, you know, your husband or your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend sits on the city council that you're overseeing. Um, I don't, my small business would never go out to bid for a county contract. So I have no, like, there's no hidden motives from maybe some of the other people who are either on commission or thinking about running for a commission I don't, there, my benefit would only be to my fellow taxpayers. I have no, I guess, ulterior motives. Like I'm not a land developer. I'm not a real estate agent. Like I, there's, there's no, I would finish my four years or my eight years and I would just go back to running my small business, which is in the medical field, which has, this county commission has no bearing on. Like, like I'm not going to be like, hey, you know, if we put this out to bid, like, you know, my, my brother's company, you know, he, they, you know, my dad's company runs can can provide this service. Like, let's give the contract to him. Exactly. 
Now, Heather, I, I hate that part of it. That's happening all over America. This is not unique to you know Pinellas County, but it's something that really bothers me because sometimes it's really blatant and like nothing is done about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you mentioned that, and here in California, there's um, there's a husband and wife that bur- they both work in the in the state legislature, and uh, so. Uh, these two uh, members of the state of the California state legislature, they make about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars each. And uh, one of them is running for governor and uh, one of the candidates paid a, a state organization forty thousand dollars for an endorsement. OK, so that forty thousand dollars was not their money. It was my money because I pay the California state legislator. So I, I, I see what you're saying. And, and this is why it goes back to why a, a public, a, an elected official should only serve two terms because it forces the elected official to pass legislation uh, in, in a way where they have to live with the same legislation after they leave office. And plus something I was thinking about when you just mentioned all the sweetheart deals. When you have fresh blood in, in that position every every two terms, then that person really gets to do the job, and they're not um, they're not connected to the to the to the deal to the sweet deal that the previous elected official may have uh, <laughs> gotten the county uh, you know Pinellas County involved in. So it's it's almost like. You know, serve your two years, break clean. Someone else comes in and just does the work of Pinellas County. They serve their two years, break clean. There's no strings attached. You don't owe anybody. There's no one looking for favors because you promised something, perhaps. So you're right. I mean, I think what you just said right now is the highlight of your campaign, that voters do not have to worry about a conflict of interest. When you run for office, you don't have any ties to anyone and you're going to serve your two terms and get the heck out. I don't have family here. I don't have like I there's my tie to my community is me and my children and our own experience of living here as a homeowner in, you know, Palm, unincorporated, you know, Pinellas. Exactly. That is the highlight. I mean, I'm just listening to what you just said. That is the highlight. I mean, if there's something when, when you're ready to print your signs, you know, two to three lines, I am not connected to any special interest group. Vote for Heather. I just That's like right. to do my wildlife rescue with um, a couple of different local groups and, you know, just trying to do my part in, you know, recycling and keeping this planet going for my children and my children's children and and I have, I have some ideas. I mean, maybe they're not good ideas. I won't know until I meet with my other six commissioners. But I think that there's changes we can definitely make to our uh, Pinellas Suncoast Transit, like the, the city bus or the county bus system. I think there's definite ways we could improve that. I mean, our ridership is down. It's been going down. And they're just funneling more money into it. I'm like, instead of funneling more money, maybe we should maybe find out either why people aren't riding the bus or is there ways to stop spending the money for buses 
that aren't being utilized. Could we have smaller buses? Could we do ride shares? Could we do like a lot of the senior communities around here have these adorable like minivan buses that help the elderly go mm-hmm. to like the store and the doctor's appointments. And then, you know, they call a number at the doctor's office and say, hey, can you, you know, come pick up XYZ person at this address? And so sometimes it takes 20, 30 minutes, but you know, they get picked up and taken right back to either their assisted living facility or wherever it is, you know, that they're coming from. Like we, there's other things that we could do. I keep hearing about this like forward Pernellis or progressive Pernellis where it just, all of it is just a bunch of stuff that's saying, I just hear like Klaus in the background saying, you know, <laughs> you will own nothing and be happy. Like that's, that's how I feel when I'm listening to some of the things that they say, because they constantly say people are disadvantaged and we need equity, equity. I'm like, no, we, we need equality, not equity. There is a difference. Exactly. And you, and you mentioned the uh, the light rail system. I got to tell your listeners, this is how it starts. This is how these uh, these these boondoggle uh, uh, programs start here in California. Uh, Senator Diane Feinstein, her husband is the developer for the the the, the what do you call it the uh, the train to nowhere, and that's what we call it here. And it's a it's a, a, a two leg. Uh, a train system. The first leg is from Modesto to Bakersfield, which is about a 200 mile run. And then the other leg is San Francisco to Modesto. And they started this train thing back in 2009 when Obama was the president and he signed some, some funds to get this thing started. And the doggone thing is nowhere near finished. In fact, it's like only 5% done. You know, 12 years later, and the cost is now approaching something like $5 billion, and it's only 5% done. So this is one of these things where, you know, people in public office, they put these ideas out there, and then they get paid money for five years, 10 years. It could be 20, was it 2022? Heather, that whatever that light rail thing, it probably won't be done if it ever moves forward for the next 10 to 15 years. And that's what we've seen here in on the West Coast. Same thing from Nevada. They want to they want a train from Rancho Cucamonga all the way to Las Vegas on the Interstate 15, which is another like 150, 200 mile run. That thing will never get done, but money will be paid you know, hand over fist for many, many years, putting money uh, in the in the pockets of, of, of politicians, friends. You know, yeah, so, I mean, they don't want progressives don't want us to own cars. So, you know, it's true. All, true. Now, I, know, now um, you mentioned something with that. you mentioned something about you're a small business owner. And during the covid situation, please tell listeners how that impacted your business because you were considered a non-essential business. Um, my closure fell under the governor's um, initial closure, phase one, whatever closure. Uh, it wasn't, county commissioners didn't uh, have a control over that one. That one was because of the governor. But I was closed for eight weeks uh, along with dentists and uh, you know some other, you know, to me, everything's essential if it's a job it's essential 
but we were closed for about eight weeks because we were considered non-essential medical. I guess in their, their thought process behind it was if we need resources, you know, syringes, gloves, medical supplies, cleaning supplies, that we weren't utilizing them because we were non-essential. Um, I mean, to me, teeth cleaning, preventative care is absolutely essential. Preventative care is what prevents tertiary care. Mm -hmm. you know, so if we can't prevent people from getting sick, and then how are we going to keep people out of the hospital? But we live in a sick, we're a sick society, you know, a pill for every ill. So, I mean, that's kind of the mindset that a lot of legislators have in using tertiary instead of preventative. But so I was close for the eight weeks. I was not happy about it. Um, I did focus a lot of efforts on um, doing a lot of telehealth so that mm -hmm. I could do that from home. And it just became really hard because my lease for my, where I was leasing my business, that particular uh, land or landlord, he was losing businesses constantly because phase two, you know, that kept all the tattoo parlors and the uh, hair salons, the nail salons, everything stayed closed. So people can't sit six months with no paycheck. So they, they lost their businesses because of non-payment. So my landlord is like, well, I have to raise your lease. And I'm raising your cam fees because I have to make up for all the businesses I'm losing. And I'm like, well, that's not fair to me. Mm -hmm. So even though if I wasn't directly impacted financially for the eight weeks that I was closed, I was impacted later on because everything else has went up. And I, my campaign treasurer was one of the ones who owned a business that the county kept closed even after our governor reopened up the state of Florida. So she's, she's my driving force of why I was running because I don't ever want to see a small business owner be told by a government agency what they can and can't do and that they have to stay open or closed. Like I, I just think that there's, a, there's just a line where the government is just too big and we need to get back to those small government principles that our forefathers, you know, instilled in us back in 1776. Mm-hmm. Now, see, that's the part that... Like, they think they've gotten too big, and they got, they have, you know, they, they think they have, like, I don't know if it's like a Napoleon or a narcissistic mm. personality disorder, but, like, people want control, and they want control over taxpayers, and it's like, it's the other way around. Like, you work for the taxpayer. Exactly. Now, in your particular situation in Pinellas County, that's the, that's what you just said is what really rubs me the wrong way, because when the governor said reopened Florida and, 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 dis and discovered some, some great things about, you know, the uh, PCR tests and, and all those kind of things. Your local uh, county commissioner said no. And in fact, uh, the guy that you're running against, Dave Eggers, he voted to keep Pinellas County shut down. Now, this is just me saying this. But in my opinion, no Republican elected official should ever shut down a business, should ever disrupt the economy, because that's one of the things that we 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 we, we kind of live for. We're for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and uh, that you know that's a, a you know a capitalism thing where people own their businesses, people get up and go to work every day so they can pay their bills, and when that happened, that one thing is the reason why um, I decided to call you. Because that just that was a shocker to me to have 
a person um, running as a Republican. And whatever that means to people might be might mean different things. But the Republicans are typically the people that say, go out, make your money, start your business, do well. You know, if you want two jobs, work two jobs, if you want to go from uh, a job paying $15 an hour to one that's paying $21 an hour, go for it. And it's just that one thing that really just rubbed me the wrong way. And, you know, I know, you know, people may feel differently about that, but no person should be prevented from working and feeding their families. And that's my thought on it. Yeah, if your job is to keep a roof over your head so that you're not living in a tent out in the, the woods of Tarpon Springs or sleeping on a library bench, then your job's essential. It's essential yes. to make money. It's essential to eat. It's essential to put clothes on your back, you know, to wash your clothes, to be able to afford your electric bill. And so that, oh, no, it's not safe. It, let the government protect you. You're not safe. We're, we're smarter than you. We, we need to protect. No, that is a personality disorder. You don't need to protect me. <laughs> I can make my own decisions. I have my own bodily autonomy. You do not tell me as the government what to do. Exactly. I guess I can. I know how to keep my business clean and safe, and I know how to keep myself safe. I don't need the government to tell me. You know what? We need you to stay closed because, you know, it's just not safe. Right. I, I recall when uh, when this when this COVID thing happened, I was not a believer. Uh, and when, let me put it this way: I was not a believer in the severity of the impact that it could have, because I you know, I've been in different countries and I've seen, you know, different things dealing with. Um, with uh, with the epidemics and and different uh, hazards, um, one of the things that that I was really that really caught my attention is that when these elected officials said you must shut down your business, you have to stay home. Uh, you know, we're going to give you PPP loans. We're going to give you unemployment. These elected officials never missed a paycheck, and that was and I saw. You know, all these uh, these these government officials, these elected officials, especially here in, in New Jersey and in, and in New York and in California and in Washington, Oregon, they all pretty much said, um, do as I say, not as I do. And you saw all these people like Newsom going to parties and going to luncheons without ma- wearing a mask and all their staff sitting shoulder to shoulder like the French laundry event in Napa, California, which is 60 minutes from where I live. They had this big party and no one had a mask on and um, and, and they were sitting shoulder to shoulder while they had all these businesses shut down and people practicing uh, this social distancing. So I, I, that, that was the part that really impacted me uh, personally and financially. Uh, we had a our local Pinellas um, economic department, um, they they really tried hard to keep small businesses afloat. Um, I mean, if they hadn't, you know, shut us down and kept us closed after phase two, we probably wouldn't have needed as much money. But they did. They did try. Like, um, I mean, I for those eight weeks that I was closed, I applied and got I think it was a five thousand dollar like economic like stimulus from the county, you know, just to help cover the rent, you know, while I wasn't, you know, producing an income. Mm-hmm. 
And so, I mean, that there's, there's, it's not all bad. I'm not running because I think it's all bad. I just, I'm running because I think that I would just bring a different perspective. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, I love living. This is why I live here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you, you mentioned something. You mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, that you are a pro-Constitution person. Please share uh, why you have these thoughts. And I think you may have mentioned that before 2020, you may have taken, you're, taken your, your constitutional rights for granted. Let's close on that conversation. I, you know, always voted in presidential elections and I'd go out and vote for governor. And you, know, you would go out in your city, your judges, your school board, all that stuff would be on there. But I never really, I, I never paid attention to it. I'm just like, uh, I, I, I voted party line a lot, you know, growing up, um, you know, 22, 23 years old. I'm like, oh, well, they're Republican. Or I would look the name and I'd be like, I was like, oh, well, that last name, you know, looks Jewish to me, so I'm going to vote for them, you know, because keep with my own people. Mm-hmm. And I never, re- I didn't, I didn't do the research. And then now I'm like, I'm, I, my kids took, uh, in seventh grade, they have to take civics. And it just kind of like reawakened everything because it was right after their, they were forced to go online. Um, you know, the Pinellas County schools were closed and they had to, quickly overnight come back from spring break and adapt <laughs> to life online so i had and i'm you know and i'm closed as a business so i'm home with them and like i i sat in with into their civics class when they were like zooming with their teacher mm-hmm. and i'm like he would he he's a constitutionalist their teacher um i mean i know you're not supposed to know your teacher's like political affiliation but you know sometimes it's the way they teach it's kind of obvious Right, and he was stressing about, you know, the Bill of Rights and and making them learn the preamble to the Constitution and reciting it. And I was like, this is exciting. I'm, and I'm like reading I'm like the Tenth Amendment. I'm like, what's why is DeSantis talking about the Tenth Amendment? So I start refreshing myself on it, and I'm like, you know, I go down the rabbit hole at night, and I'm just like, and then I start clicking other websites, and I'm like, this. This is exactly what my grandfather was trying to instill in me and the fact that we are American and like I was born here. So I'm like, he was even happier for me because I was natural, you know, born uh, on an American soil. So like now I, I feel I'm as each day goes on, I feel more and more patriotic toward my country than mm-hmm. I had in the last, you know, 40 years of my life. Right. I right. mean, after 9-11, I, I, you know, we, we all had a little spell of patrioticness and put an American flag out, you know, after 9-11. But I don't think people truly started to follow elections until mainstream media told you that it was important. Exactly. And then, and then divided us as a country. Like, I'm just over here wanting my freedom... First Amendment and Second Amendment rights that are, are constantly look like being attacked, and then I look like I'm like some kind of like right wing whatever label that you want to give us because I believe in the Constitution. The mm-hmm. Constitution that's the guiding book of why we left and, and separated from England. That's right. And I think 
I think that if seventh grade, like my kids were very lucky to have a very enthusiastic seventh grade civics teacher. And we're very thankful for that because it got them learning about local law and how important it is for us to choose candidates that most align with our own principles. And if you're not going to vote on the side of liberty and you're only going to vote what gets you elected, then I, you're not my candidate. Exactly. Well, I think, I think, uh, I think the, the wind is blowing in our direction. I mean, or the wind is at our back. I should say not blowing in our direction because that would be a headwind. Uh, the wind is blowing, uh, in our favor because there are so many Democrats. And when I say Democrat, I don't necessarily mean, you know, the like traditional Democrat or in traditional Republican. I'm talking about Heather, the people who have always loved life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it wasn't so much that the Republicans had it, had a better a better understanding of it, and Democrats didn't. It's because back before the before 2020, most people could enjoy whatever they wanted to do, regardless of political affiliation. So if you were a Republican and uh, the Democrats won, okay, you might be butthurt for about a month, but life went on. You, you're able to take vacations. You're able to, um, you know, enjoy your family, have, you know, barbecues in the back and do things like that. Now, if the Democrats won, and the Republicans were upset. Yeah, they would be upset for about maybe a week or two or something. And just life went on. But when 2020 hit and they put this 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 uh, pan this pandemic on us, a lot of Democrats now are saying we want no part of this ever again. And so I think uh, we can I think now we can we can remove the labels of Republican and Democrat and look at candidates in terms of do they support life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, or do they support the other side, which is the socialism and communism thing? As, as an economics graduate, I can tell you that there are or there are, are a lot of Democrats that don't want what they just received over this last two years. And that's NBA players, that's performing artists. I used to be a club DJ in San Francisco. I can tell you there are they are hip hop artists that will never vote for a person that put their their life liberty and pursuit of happiness in jeopardy like they did these last two years. So Heather, please close us out with how people can support you, your website, and uh, and perhaps we can do another episode uh, soon. My, uh, my website is brunelloforpinellas.com and on there you can you can follow the home links at the top and there's also some footers to go to the donation link um, to send a donation in if you utilize any of the payment apps like you know Venmo or Cash App that goes into the campaign account you just need to send a message with your full name and address and occupation because that is required by election law mm -hmm. I just can't like have random money drop it into the campaign account I'm not where it came from um, and then when when we get during the qualifying period, I'm almost there. The first week of June, uh, I have about 50% of the money raised so far to get onto the ballot. Um, once I'm qualified, I'm I'm going to need volunteers to boots on the ground and start walking the neighborhoods and 
you know, getting my name out there because I, I am, I'm, I am a regular old taxpayer. No one's heard of my name before unless you work out in Anytime Fitness and see my, my picture on the, the TV screen for my hormone therapy program, then people don't know who I am. So I need to get out there and let people know who I am. So I definitely need a team. I need a, I need a, some patriotic warriors ready to put their, their strap their boots on. Exactly. And Heather, that's why I said that this election coming up, uh, your primary race and then the general election in November is not really about you. It's really about what the people of, of District 4 and Pinellas County and actually all of Pinellas County. So even if you don't live in District 4 and you live in Clearwater, you live in Largo, you live in Oldsmar, St. Pete Beach, uh, Bel Air, um, please well, donate Oldsmar's to Heather. in my district. Say that again. Oldsmar's in my district. Yes, that's right. Oldsmar is in your district. Mm -hmm. I, I should know that because I used to hang mm -hmm. out with, with the phone numbers. Uh, it was like 813-884. That was the prefix for Oldsmar back in the day. Um, I used to know Oldsmar like I knew the back of my hand. But if you live outside of District 4, uh, Pinellas, uh, 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 Heather is running in District 4, but you can still support her regardless of where you live in Pinellas County. And in fact... If you live any place in the state of Florida or any place outside of the state of Florida, but within the boundaries of the United States, you still can support Heather. The reason why we, I say this is because Florida is a target. Uh, California has been mostly decimated in terms of the, the, the life, liberty and, and pursuit of happiness uh, California residents can enjoy. And Florida and Texas and other you know, free thinking states are targets. So please help keep Florida free by helping Heather keep Pinellas County free. So I wanna thank everyone for listening to uh, Live with Heather on the Real People USA podcast. Uh, my website is rpusa.org. My telephone number is 726-999-0999. Any closing comments, Heather? I have just hashtag vote for Nello. Excellent. Okay, Heather, you have a great afternoon in Pinellas County, Florida, and take care. Okay.